0: BPD Bunch. I'm your host, Sani, and today I am here with Georgette, Madhurma, Jay, and Selene. Where is everyone coming from today? London. Calgary. Kolkata, India.
1: New Jersey, USA.
0: And New Mexico, USA. So today, we are going to talk about BPD and friendships. All over the internet, you see tons and tons of posts about romantic relationships and a lot of the struggles that we experience. Today, we wanted to specifically talk about the issues that we have had over the years with our various friendships and some of the things we've learned to have more effective friendships today. So, Selene. What are you going to tell us about your friendships?
2: <laughs> it's um it's a really interesting topic because, like you say, we hear a lot about romantic relationships. And for me, friendships have actually been more challenging uh, to manage uh, along the way. So, um, And it's something that I've never really talked about because I, I thought, oh, maybe I'm just the odd one out kind of thing. So I'm really excited to hear from everyone. I would say pre-diagnosis, pre-therapy, I was desperate to fit in. Had lots of different friends, lots of different groups, but I would just like mask everything, make myself who people wanted to be, try to be cool, you know, all these different things. And I struggled with conflict. So if conflict showed up, I would be like, okay, fine, bye. And just kind Mm. of disappear somehow and let things, you know, fizzle out. During therapy, it was like, It almost like I had to go in a bubble. I had messages on all the platforms. I couldn't keep up. I I didn't answer to anyone. I felt like I was letting everyone down, really not letting anyone anyone in, and being afraid of even talking about like having BPD and all the things that I was going through. And then now it's like a new phase of like trying to look for relationships that are different, that are healthier, that have boundaries that i can belong that i can really be myself um so yeah i'm like testing different ways and, and building new relationships which is really exciting and kind of different so yeah jay we've never been on an episode together, so <laughs> over to you
3: <laughs> i knew mm-hmm. that was coming um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um probably a good choice actually because i feel like i'm the polar opposite i've always been very all in or all out all or nothing. Um, my relationships have always been very intense. I But I do relate to you saying that uh, the the friendships have been like the most difficult, one of the most challenging parts of, of recovery. And I definitely, uh, it, it has been for me too. In my work, I've been reading a lot about like the neurodiversity paradigm at the moment. And um, I've been thinking a lot about like how we kind of come to like our experiences um, differently, how our minds work differently, cognitively differently. Um, And I've always been sort of feeling like I see the world through completely different eyes to everybody around me. And that's like put me at odds constantly with anybody that I've tried to make friends with, because usually if something happens, they don't see the situation in the same way that I do. And that creates so much stress and pressure because when you're not on the same page, it's really hard to like find the wood from the trees and figure out how to make things work between you, right? Outside of that, I found that also like there are a lot of communication issues. Usually people don't, um are, are, are not uh so open to being totally honest with you about how much they can handle if you're having a bad time. And then that's usually been the root of like when I've had situations of abandonment. Um So friendships have been very complicated for me. Um, but I've always been very all in and uh, a little bit reactionary if if there is any conflict rather than. I Don't know what the right word would be passive, more passive, uh, want to avoid the conflict. Georgette, you tell us about your experiences.
1: This was actually, when I was first diagnosed, this symptom, like the problems in interpersonal relationships and specifically with friends, I latched onto that and I was like, well, I have a lot of friends. I have a lot of friends. I've had the same friends. You know, I have friends from high school. I have friends from college. So that was, in my mind, I said, well, this is impossible that I have this. But um, after I started really accepting the diagnosis and thinking about it, I realized I do have challenges in friendships. I I am a very people person. I love being around people. I I've always had friends. I like hanging out. Um, So I've tended to have many friends uh, with a few close friends. I've always had one or two close friends that I you know in high school I had my friend Kara for a while who we did everything together, and for a while it was Jenny we did everything together, um, and it would go through people. Um, but I realized that what would happen is the moment there was any kind of like discomfort or conflict, um, I just, the friendship was over and maybe not necessarily over like in fiery flames, but just like, I didn't feel safe with that person anymore and they were no longer my one. Close friend, and I would—I had a lot of other people kind of in the background, you know, that I could be like, "Oh, well, I'm just going to start hanging out with this person more." Uh, so that was my my really what I struggled with pre diagnosis and treatment.
4: I agree with all of you bits and pieces of everything, and I could relate to most of it, especially to the part where uh, I kind of tend to be all or none when it comes to friends in all kinds of interpersonal relationships but especially in friendships so um what was a real struggle for me is to accept that um for somebody else like be it a friend be it an acquaintance they are a person of their own and there will be parts of them that will work for me and parts of them that won't so I had a really hard time accepting that uh I have to accept this person for who they are and not for who I want them to be. And uh, this was one of the major reasons of conflicts that I faced. And it mostly affected me in two ways. And both of them were horrible. Um, uh, Number one would be when my fear of abandon would kick in. So... I would feel like, okay, so since we're not like 100% compatible, since we're not 100% matching in all our spiritual and emotional views, so it must mean that this is not going anywhere and this is going to end eventually. So this would kick in my fear of abandonment and I would either build up walls and push them away or I would violate my own boundaries and I would uh, forget about my myself and my own needs and priorities and I would go out that extra mile for them like even if it cost me in a negative way just to keep that person in my life so both of those were not the healthiest way to cope with it and this was me pre-diagnosis and it was so important for me to have someone like have somebody I can call a friend a best friend in my life because my sense of self and my identity kind of came from others validating me, so mm-hmm. if somebody else was telling me that yes, you're a good person and I like spending time with you, I would definitely cross all lines for them. like, so, what if it hurt me it i I don't care like I can cross lines for that to keep that person in my life because. They're the one who are giving my life meaning, right?
2: You gave me goosebumps when you were saying, I thought, yeah, that was so well said. So yeah, thank you for sharing. Oh, thank you. It's really hard to, yeah, you want this person to love you as you are and you want them, you to be their whole thing and and them to be your whole thing. And when it's not, it's like, are you really a friend? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. One thing I thought about that we haven't touched on that I find really hard in friendships is um, not confusing where which emotions belong to which person like if Mm. I'm really into a very close friendship with someone and we're having a deep conversation and they're having a hard time I really want to help them because I go I tend to go into that savior mode Um, and there comes a point that after the conversation I can feel like I'm really angry or I'm really sad. But pre-treatment, I felt this is my emotion and I didn't know what to deal with it, how to deal with it and or anything like that. And it's like, oh, hang on a minute. Maybe I'm just being a sponge for other people's emotions mm-hmm. and just blurring the lines between what's happening with me and what's happening with them. It's like I'm completely like, f- it's like a fusion <laughs> with this person and their emotion and just like... Yeah, forgetting where it, where one person ends and where one person starts. Yeah. Zanny, what about you?
0: I struggled a lot because, you know, I have some histrionic personality disorder traits along with BPD. And so, like, one of those is... The boundaries of closeness for me, I always thought I was way closer to people than they thought they were to me. The concept of acquaintance was foreign to me. It was like, oh, if I've talked to someone, they're my friend. The What you were talking about, Solen, about not knowing where you end and another person begins. You know, I've had the same best friend for over 20 years. and But things were kind of challenging for us when I was really symptomatic because I would lash out at her and make everything her fault. You know, even if she's coming to me with a situation like, you know, you hurt me or this, like, didn't feel right, I would, like, sort of explode out of her and be like, well, you shouldn't have, da-da-da-da-da, because I couldn't separate her hurt from my hurt. And then on top of it, I I was feeling criticized, and so instead of sitting there and working through it, I was just like, nope, not gonna deal with this, this must be, you you are the one bringing this to me, therefore it is 100% on you right? It was a totally faulty logic. At the time, I did not, I didn't really understand what was happening. And I'm very glad to have sort of been able to get beyond that because that was a, that's not a sustainable way of having relationships.
3: This conversation in particular really demonstrates to like everyone watching, even to ourselves, like how different all of our manifestations of BPD are and like how different our experiences are and how we come to it so differently.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it comes from a similar place, right? Like wanting to be accepted, wanting to be seen, wanting to be validated. I think a lot of them do stem from the same sort of traits, but the the ways in which we learned to deal with them are just so different.
3: I feel like this connects a lot with the idea of like learning that different friendships can serve different roles in your life. And that was something that I found if. Mm-hmm. Possible to deal with i was so yeah. all in or all out um but it is that idea that like there will be friends that you can go to a coffee shop with that will listen to you really well on that day and you'll have a really great time with them they will not answer a single message that you send them because they're just not that <laughs> kind of person they don't spend a lot of yeah. time on their yeah. phone and you will take that really personally but it it yeah. it means nothing about the substance of that person but that took me I think that's still something I struggle with frankly um so and that made me think of that that kind of like out of sight out of mind and the roles the roles that different friends play in your life
1: I like how you put that like it's it's almost getting to know and respecting the other person's personality traits and the other person's like the way they operate in the world and operate as friends and learning that that's just how they are. I am me and they are them and learning that they don't have to live up to what you expect all the time. You kind of need to get to know them and, and be able to give them the grace that they need to be who they are too. So mm-hmm. as everybody was talking, I it made me remember the, the one thing that I struggled to put into words about my biggest challenge with my closest friend was um, wanting approval and being sensitive to criticism. Um, when I look at my my longest friendship, we've been friends since we were three years old and I'm going to be 44 this year. That's a long time to know somebody. When I look back at our friendship that we've maintained for that long, being close, uh, I realized that prior to treatment, And even now struggle, you know, I struggle with it sometimes is that feeling of being scared if they judge me um, and wanting that approval and being hyper, hyper sensitive to criticism. So
0: I, when I was doing really poorly and I had first sort of accepted that I had BPD and I was learning more about other people's experiences, I'd hear a lot of people talk about people pleasing and like being afraid Mm. of having a conflict. And at the time that sounded so foreign to me because I would just lash out at people when I felt slighted. So, like, the idea of not being able to have a conflict was bananas. And then, through my recovery, I started to realize that, like, in a way, lashing out was my way of avoiding conflict, because I was avoiding vulnerable conflict, right? I was using, like, anger and aggressive emotions to push people away so that I didn't have to show them my the vulnerable parts. And I didn't really become a people pleaser. Yeah, yeah, just light the bridge on fire. And then in my early days of recovery, I kind of switched to the other side. It was like, I'm just never going to make someone upset with me. So then I never, ever, 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 ever have to deal with putting those vulnerable emotions out there. So now, at least, I'm not like leaving burned bridges in my wake everywhere. But it is like, it does require a little bit more cognitive energy because I have to sit there and be like, okay. You know, is this a reasonable thing to bring up to someone? What should I just let go? Um, And, and making those decisions can be very uh, emotionally and mentally consuming.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
0: I now realize that just because somebody says hello to you or because you have a conversation doesn't make you like best friends. And just because somebody knows my trauma does not make us close either. I think that was a really important lesson. I always thought like I'll just tell everybody everything about me at the beginning, and then they'll never be surprised by anything to leave me later. But that was like <laughs> way too much for people, and it did not like, actually, <laughs> yeah, and they, it did not actually make us close. It just, it in a way, I think that was another way that I tricked myself. It was like a pretend, a pretend way to be close, but was actually a defense mechanism. It was like can you handle this? Can you handle me? I'm going to push you away with all of this information. And then they're just like,
2: ah! If you don't take it, I'll lash out. (laughs) Bye!
0: (laughs) Yeah, they're like, "Uh, when is this over?
1: Can I go now?
3: (laughs) That kind of uh, brought this question up in my head as you were saying that. of like, That's one of the real hard things for, or was one of the real hard things for me as somebody with BPD is like, people are so different in what they can handle what they perceive as close like it's so hard navigating that the acknowledgement of just the kind of way different ways that the brains work is like that's super real like and trying to navigate that is is a minefield sometimes right um but the other thing that I was going to say was a sort of about uh kind of friendships that I two very significant friendships that I've had and um and I did something that was kind of da- damaging in a different way where I over overinvested to the extreme where I completely ignored that I had anything going on in my life so that I could mm. be so front and present. And I, and I did a really good job of it. I'm still friends with these people now, and I, I really helped them get through some really challenging times. And I wouldn't I wouldn't take that back. I know I know they're going to be watching this, so <laughs> make sure that I say that. But um uh you know that was something that was was really hard for me because I used to go into a lot of friendships and if somebody had a lot of a uh, lot of issues, I would I would really try to to get in there and help them out and with some people and not others that ended up leaving me in a position where I was extremely vulnerable to feeling abandonment because some people didn't value it and I was giving it away and my best friend gave me this really great analogy she's also been through dvt and she said uh jay you really need to learn to like if somebody gives you one marble stop giving them 50 you mm. know and um yeah that was something that just like really stuck with me and uh but I think it does also highlight this other side to bpd that is like you can call it savior complex you can call it kind of whatever you want to call it but there is that innate sort of sense of like trying to do what's what's just and and fair and supportive of your friends Mm -hmm. and being really emboldened by that at least I've experienced that like a really strong commitment to to looking out for for people and I, I still kind of experience that now um and I don't think that that's a that's a bad thing it's just something you need to learn to
2: balance <laughs> and
3: balance yes. exactly mm. preserve and, and learn balance.
2: to notice yeah learn to notice if you're doing all the giving and sure. you know there, there was this yeah. this brilliant book uh 10 things i hate about me by joe Tresini i don't know if you've heard of it it's his story with bpd and he said one thing that really helped him is picturing uh, a relationship as a as a bucket in between two people a physical bucket And it's who is filling the bucket and is it staying 50, 50 or is one person taking more, but not replenishing it. Right. So it's like, if you start looking at it like a physical object, it can help because you can get more of a sense of like, yeah, how it's going. I just found that really interesting. And I've been kind of using that a little bit and something I find really hard. And I don't know if, if you all do as well. And still to this day is I don't want to be a burden on people. And Mm -hmm. so like you, Jay, I love helping people. So I'm always going to go above, beyond, to the end of times. Like, oh, you need help? Yeah, let's jump on a call. Can I help you? Like, can I do this? I love it. I love it. When it comes to me and I'm in struggle time and I'm like, oh my God, I don't want them to think that, oh, again, this BPD thing. Oh my God, she's depressed again. They would go, oh, the whole cycle again. You know, I don't know why. I just think people are going to assume that, you know, (laughs) I don't want to burden anyone. I don't want to be negative. I don't want to, you know, so I'm just like, I just sit there and I go, I'm so depressed. Oh my God, I don't know what to do. (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes I think, oh, maybe I could call a friend yeah but you know they have their own stuff going on and i, I don't want to yeah. bother i don't wanna impose and stuff like that oh yeah that's really hard when do you call what do you say and people are like how are you getting on like how are you going at the moment and all i want to do is go like in not every day but some days i feel like sorry excuse my french i feel like shit <laughs> i don't want to do anything i hate myself so much but i'm like can they take it And are they Mm. gonna judge me? And are they gonna run away because this is too intense? This is too much. I can't tell them that. Um, So yeah, just, I see a lot of nods. So I'm like, oh, thank you guys. Oh yeah, So so
0: (laughs) the reason why this like I'm nodding so much is because I used to be completely dependent on other people and I have one memory. I was distraught after a breakup. It was a month and I was just totally upset. And this person said to me, it's been a month How are you not over it already? And for some reason, whenever I would think about telling people that I was struggling with something, I would remember that one incident and Mm. be like, no, nobody wants to hear that. You better not tell anyone because they're going to think, oh, look at how emotional you are. How are you not over Mm. it already? It was just one time. And this person wanted to date me. The reason why they said that was because they wanted me to be over it for me to date them. I understand that context. And yet I still cannot take away the emotional impact of that one statement that person made to me that one time. And I think that's one of the things about BPD that is very challenging is that you like we don't want to sit here and say it's it's that person's fault. Right. Like. They were expressing what they were thinking at the time, but we are so affected by something someone says to us once and it can completely yeah. change the way that we go forwards in all of our other relationships. And we have to learn yeah. how to like hold space for those comments from people without letting it change who we are. And that has been mm. a real, a real struggle for me.
1: I hope you didn't end up dating him. They sound like they had <laughs> a good match for you.
0: <laughs> I did not.
4: I did not. <laughs> Absolutely. I 100% agree that uh, it was so difficult for me to ask for help from people. I would like cross every line for every person, be it my friend or be it somebody else, even if it was like, you know, even if I was at college and I would see a random girl was drunk and crying and my heart would break for them and I would just go over and say I'm so sorry you're going through this I don't know what you're going through but I know pain and I know you're in pain and I don't want you to feel that pain but um, if I was going through the same thing and somebody else came and did the same thing to me all I would feel was shame because Mm. I thought I would not deserve it I don't know it was a self-worth issue it was It it stems from a lot of things. But I had no sense of personal boundaries. And the fact that they did, it made me feel like they cared less about me. Because I was always Mm. going that extra mile. I was not thinking about myself. But the fact that they were thinking about their own self instead of thinking about me was making me kind of mad. Like, I am putting you above my own sanity. So why can't you do the same for me? So, Mm. like sometimes when you're going that extra mile for everybody and they're not doing it for you. So it kind of adds a little bit of bitterness every time that happens. That bitterness kind of piles up and then you kind of feel bad for feeling bitter because you're like, oh no, I'm being selfish. I want people to help me, but I shouldn't want people to help me because I should be able to do this on my own. But then you feel what you feel and then it kind of damages your whole relationship.
3: You know, I definitely felt that resentment, but I never really, um, I never internalized it. I never like directed it at me, funnily enough. It was usually like a pretty hard, felt resentment, like for that other person. And I would usually always say to my therapist, like, why do I have to do all of this stuff, learn all of these things? This world is so bloody emotionally yes, incompetent. Yes. Like, yes. why is it so hard to just <laughs> care the same about conversation. people? You know what I mean. Like, I why is it so hard to just care about people? <laughs> and so, many times. Um, and that brings us very nicely to how you move forward from those feelings. <laughs> I love how we started. You
2: know, oh, this is a bit hard. This is, this. and now we're really You like, know, we're like this. is...
3: This. <laughs> Really? No, because I was oh, like, if I'm going to have the moment, I'm going like, to go for it. I feel like you dropped
0: the <laughs> mic right
2: there. <laughs>
0: yeah, I am. I mean, it's so true, though. And, and that resentment, like, I, I, especially in the beginning of recovery, was the same way. It's like, why the hell do I have to do all this work? It's other people who clearly don't understand me. What the hell is wrong with this world that I have to put in all this effort? Da, da, da. And eventually I realized that, like, you only know what is in your own head. You don't know what yeah. is in the heads of other people. So you don't actually know how much they may or may not be trying to understand you. Like, maybe they're failing, miserable at it, but that's not necessarily an indication that they weren't trying. Um, it could be, but it's just, for me, a lot of it was learning not to immediately jump to my most negative conclusion because Mm -hmm. i had this belief that you know if people really felt things strongly then everyone should act the way that i do and if they're not then they just must basically be robots and 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 so therefore i have to act even bigger to try to get them to understand how i feel And eventually Um. it was like, oh, people can (laughs) express emotions in a lot of different ways. And it's true that there are probably a lot of people, the majority of people probably don't feel things with the sort of dysregulated intensity that I do. But that does not mean that they don't feel deeply, does not mean that they don't care about me. And I think also, you know, we're talking about the boundaries thing. I used to have this myth that I believe that if you really love someone, then boundaries should not exist. There are yeah. no boundaries in love, right? Which is yeah. the most dysfunctional thing ever. <laughs> recognizing that that boundaries are healthy, that your friends can't always get back to you, and that does not mean that they don't care. Um, yep. So, I guess to wrap that up in a in a sort of applicable skill, I would say for me, a lot of it was challenging myths because I held a lot of myths. About how friendships and relationships should be. Um, and how people should act if they actually care. And and realizing that people are different. And it's okay that yeah, they're I- different. And that, that a lot of the times that means I have to ask people about their intentions. And that's okay to ask people what they mean. Like, the whole, if you loved me, you should know. It
3: doesn't you should matter. read my mind. <laughs> but, you know, I think it is totally yeah. valid to just say that, like, sometimes it's really hard to tell, like, when somebody deserves what you're giving them and when they don't. And because you don't know how they can respond, it's kind of a trial and error process In, in through the process yeah. of which you, you kind of sometimes get hurt depending on your state at the time, right? So it's, it's really hard. And skills-wise... For me, holding space, like that's something that's been very integral for me is to sit, hold and stop. Let everything slow down because I'm, as I said at the beginning, I'm very reactionary. So if you give me a reason to react, I'll react. (laughs) Um, So I found it very helpful to stop and try to think like, what are the different ways that this situation could be perceived? Am I assessing it appropriately and accurately? But I have to do that in a way that doesn't invalidate what I feel and that reality that I'm possibly experiencing, which I guess is, I think, uh, check the facts, right?
4: I used to be very bad at communicating because like i said i didn't have boundaries and i didn't know how to enforce them so um what worked like magic in my friendship was when i started communicating my needs so there's the skill um dear man uh, it's describe what is going on express how you feel about it exactly A for it's assert or ask the other person what you need from the situation. R for reinforce. And um, man, I think, is be mindful. A for um,
2: appear confident.
4: And N, negotiate. That is when you might need to compromise in order to reach a middle ground. worked worked brilliantly. I mean, I was so bad at communicating. I always thought like, as we were saying there, it was so hard for us to ask for help or to set boundaries. But once you start to navigate the relationship, once you start to communicate, it all gets easier from there. I mean, it's much easier to tell a friend that um, I'm feeling a bit down tonight, so I probably won't make that video call, but could you do it tomorrow instead? Instead of, you know, feeling exhausted and tired and waking up for somebody in the middle of the night just to please them and then harbor that bitterness inside that they would never do it
2: for me. The three things that I found most helpful with friendships, one was the objective relationship and the kind of self and values. And that was like mind blowing for me because I always thought it's relationship first, Um, completely forgetting. The myself, my values, and all of that, and often forgetting the goal. And so realizing that there were those different elements at play and how much more effective it was to look at look at the relationship holistically. So that was game changing. Then the other two things are in one we've talked about a lot already, is the expectations and boundaries. So I used to have very high expectations of myself and others, still struggle with myself, to be, to be honest. <laughs> and no boundaries. Like we said before, then I was like, Oh, this is not working. You know, my expectations are too high. I'm losing lots of relationships. Put the expectations down, no expectations, no boundaries. I'll take anything you like me. Yeah. Let's be best friends. And you know, you know, and then that's not working either. So now I'm like, okay, can I middle path? Can I found a middle ground where I have some expectations, you know, realistic ones for myself, for the other person, and that it's open and also some boundaries. Um, so and the final thing was learning about the difference between fitting in and belonging. I was so desperate to fit in that I was prepared to. Be like a chameleon, like a social chameleon. Wear any color. You want me to be red today? Yes, I'll be red today. Do you love me now? Do you see me now? Do you hear me now? And then learning that that's fitting in was me being someone else to be accepted by the friend, by the group of friends. And the difference between that and belonging, which was the feeling that I got from when people accepted me for who I was. And now I'm trying to find those relationships where I can be me. I can be sometimes intense. I can be sometimes emotional. I can also be there for the other person. And, you know, we have a more balanced, deep, intense, but also fulfilling and respectful relationship. Um, And so I can get that sense of belonging. And that's, yeah, it's game changing, to be honest. It's just amazing to know that, you can be yourself and the person is not gonna run away screaming.
0: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. So one of the things that I learned I used to feel like I had to tell people exactly what I thought about something or I had to stand up for this particular thing or I had to, this had to be a particular way because that was what right was. And I do think there are times when I I need to stand up for, for the things that are right and speak my mind. It's just that I, I didn't realize that that for me to have a life in which you know I find meaning and I have relationships, I had to pick my battles. I have to find the things that are are worth that battle. And 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 I think what Selene brought up about like relationships versus objectives versus self respect. I think you know when my self respect is the most important thing, that's when I yes. really go after you know saying what I think about something or standing up for something regardless of the outcome because that is what's most important. The two other major things that I think really helped me was, we talked about this earlier, diversifying your relationships, meaning um, having friendships with people who are able, you're able to go to for different things. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, I'm not going to talk about mental health with my friends who don't really experience those issues. Not because they don't care, but because they just don't have much to say, right? Like... Uh, I'm not going to, to my friends who've never picked up a sewing needle. I'm not going to be like, let's talk about making a dress, right? Like I'm going to go to my sewing friends to talk about that stuff and recognizing that people have different interests and respecting those, those differences and not trying to force people to be into the same things that I am because there's a difference. And I think this leads me to the next thing, which is that being willing to see other people for who they are and not who I
1: want them to be. Um, The things that I've learned to make my friendships more successful would be what is something that I need to be sharing with my therapist and what is something that I can share with friends. Because I learned that um, just because you're my friend doesn't mean that you have the qualifications of a therapist. And some of the things that I would share and talk about were, were more than the person had the capacity for. Um, and I, it would be scary for them to hear things that I was saying, but my therapist is trained to deal with that. So I learned like, there's some things that are for friends and there's some things that are for therapists. That was one thing that I learned. Um, the, other thing that I learned was, and this was really applicable in my very close friendship that I it was very sensitive in um, criticism and approval and that kind of cycle and the judgment. I really have to stop and remember that I am me and I get to um, decide what is right for me and I get to decide what is okay for me. And I'm the person I have to answer to at the end of the day. So my friend can have a different opinion. My friend can have different input, but that is my friend. And what works for my friend may not work for me, and that is okay. And reminding myself, like I don't have to get anybody's approval as long as I have my own approval. And that's something that even that I constantly have to remind myself in friendships, that I can share and I can ask for opinions if I want but I don't have to take those opinions Is what I have to do. And also sometimes I learned it's better not to ask an opinion. If I'm going to be that sensitive to the reply that it's going to change, um, make me stray from my values or what I really strongly feel that I need to do in a situation or something like that, that's not something that I should ask an opinion about.
3: I also found like setting boundaries around detail and how much detail I go into about something. Um, because. I also realized that despite some of my irritating experiences with other people who do not have BPD, people are typically not horrible enough to stop you in the middle of something really intense and say, I can't deal with it. So you have to have some awareness of that and protect yourself and them because you care about them um, as well. Right. In a reciprocal friendship um and that's a really good way to frame it to yourself if you're feeling like this is about them not wanting to listen um something else that i found really helpful for me is um like communicating as best i can with friends about like the way that i work as a person and i've had those conversations so many times because usually people as i said right at the beginning do not say to me sort of um what their limits are what kind of person they are whatever um and I've always found it really helpful to like know like are you somebody that you know I can hang out with a lot or are you somebody that really values your own space and all of that and that really does vary from person to person and I'm somebody that values connections so much that I I love being around people, even if it's not doing something intense. And that kind of leads me onto my last one, which is just um, learning also to enjoy your own company and finding things that you can do for yourself in quiet spaces and be content and happy with that and not see it as loneliness. And that was something so important for me, especially going into a PhD program. And I needed to learn how to like, be in an isolated space on my own and be content and i used to take myself to to the movie theaters in toronto and do things on my own go out for meals on my own and my god it helped so much and it's not the sort of thing that you think will until you do it
0: <laughs> i love that you said the that part about being on your own because i think that's i didn't think about it but that's been a big one for me too like learning I've spent a lot of time by myself, but there's a difference between like spending time alone where you're like kind of in the recesses of your own mind, hiding from reality and being with yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, where you're really in your body and experiencing your life by yourself in your own space. And I think when you can trust that you'll be there for yourself, it's not the end of the world when a friendship doesn't work out because, you know, you have yourself to fall back on. And when you don't have a self to fall back on, I think that's part of why it can yeah. be so gut wrenching and, and, and wor- seemingly world ending because it really feels like there's just nothing there. Yeah. Um, you know, people are different. They're not always going to be able to be there for you for everything, even if, you know, it may not even be a life ending thing. It could just be no one's available in a moment you happen to be going through crisis can you be able yeah. to be there for yourself and soothe yourself and and learn to regulate yourself in whatever way works
2: that's yeah. solo travel for me <laughs> book a train ticket book a plane, plane ticket and go explore a new city by yourself that's that's yeah
4: self discovery is like so important and you don't even know that you like you're missing it and and unless you've done it you know like i didn't uh when i first got into recovery i didn't know that i was missing this huge chunk of me like i had no idea of who i was my idea of who i was was other people's versions of who i was so it's very important to like uh, figure out what works for you what you like what is your taste in things and what makes you go and what is the thing that gives you more joy and what is the thing that are deal breakers for you. And these are small discoveries that you go through when you're in recovery. And I think that's beautiful. And I think that is something that kind of make the basic steps of uh, learning to be okay with yourself or your own company because once you know who you are as a person then you're going to start loving that person little by
0: little. All of the things you said just reminded me of one important thing, that, which is that when you know who you are and you can rely on yourself like that, you also have more strength in your relationships because you know when to walk away. Yep. Yeah. Right? Like, if, yeah. if everything, if you put everything into your relationships, then you can't walk away from them because... Yeah. There's nothing, there is nothing for you to go to. You know, when you yeah. know you can be with yourself, then when someone's treating mm. you like garbage, you can say, I don't need this.
1: Right. Goodbye. Yeah. You know what you deserve. Your self-worth.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, everyone, for watching. This was a really, really awesome episode. Come back next week. I'm going to be handing over the reins of next week's episode to Selene. we're going to be talking about family culture everybody comes from a different background and it can have such an effect on how their bpd manifests so look forward to that next week make sure you like subscribe turn on your notifications so you don't miss anything and we will see you then
1: Bye. bye bye bye